This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to The Real Reel, where I take you behind the Instagram reel and into the real lives of entrepreneurs, content creators, and anyone who inspires me and may inspire you too. I'm your host, Natalie Barbu, and let's get into it. You know, you have this idea, you love it so much, you do the branding and the formulations and all of these things behind the scenes, and then it's launch day and you have to share this with the world. And we were just so scared because we're like, we're so in love with this, we're so passionate about it and we hope people feel the same. And luckily we've had such an incredible response, great support, great press, but like that moment was really scary and it was just, it felt so much safer, like probably similar to pregnancy when it's like inside of you, you know? It's like, no one knows about it. No one everyone knows, really scary. And you have to continue, you know, with that level. If people are impressed and they're excited, you have to continue with that level that they expect things to be. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Real Real Podcast. I am excited to be here. I am coming to you from Charlotte, North Carolina, and I'm running on about five hours of sleep. Yep, it's about five hours of sleep. I am currently crashing. I am so tired. (laughs) So if I sound a little tired, that's why, but I'm exhausted. I'm someone who needs my eight hours of sleep, and I am going to blame my lack of sleep this week due to me being on my phone. I have to set some serious, serious limits on my phone. It's actually really, really bad. It's been causing me not to sleep as much, and that's not okay because I take my sleep very, very seriously. But besides that, I'm very excited for this episode and for this podcast. And I have to say that I was fangirling a little bit. It was one of those pinch me moments where I couldn't believe who I was interviewing. I am interviewing Emily Donato. I grew up seeing Emily everywhere. And I honestly really looked up to her when I was younger. I was super into fashion. I wanted to run my own magazine one day. I even wanted to get into modeling. And then I realized, hmm, 5'3 isn't going to cut it. But Emily was an inspiration for me. I remember seeing her face on Maybelline. I remember seeing her face on so many magazine advertisements. I would always pick up magazines at the grocery store, whatever my mom would let me pick up. And her face was in all of them. I feel like you couldn't like go to the grocery store and like not see her somewhere, whether it's like in the makeup aisle or whether if it was in a magazine that you were scrolling through. But she was one of my favorite models. And I just can't believe I'm having her on the podcast. Like To me, this podcast amazes me because I started it just for fun. I started it to have some meaningful conversations and I have interviewed some incredible, incredible people that I just cannot believe that I've interviewed. And Emily is definitely one of those. I mean, I've loved makeup ever since I was little and I have like looked up to her so much. So it's definitely really, really, really cool. But before we get into her story and what she is currently up to, I have some updates for you. This week, I am selling my house. I need a round of applause here because I'm selling my house finally. For those of you who don't know, I have been in the process of renovating an old 1950s home. I bought it in January of 2021 and I have started the renovation process in January and now it's finally 100% complete and we are putting it up for sale today. I always say we, which I think confuses people because people think I like bought it with someone else. 
it's my house. I just say we because my parents have helped me a lot in terms of the renovation aspect. They've renovated houses before, so I could not do this process without them. I also haven't physically been here, so they've been really taking on that role of like making sure everything's running smoothly. But it is my house. I'm the one selling it. But it's something that I did with my parents in the sense of like a fun little project that we did together. And with my family, like my sister was a huge help to it. I would love to have my sister on the podcast eventually to talk about the renovation process. But anyways, it's on the market now. And I'm so excited. It's the first house that I bought. It's the first house that I flipped. And it's the first house that I'm selling. I would love to do a recap on, you know, how it was to like sell the house. I think I might do a podcast episode solely dedicated to the entire process. I think that would be incredibly valuable and super interesting, but it's finally for sale. So it's going officially on the market tomorrow, which is why I'm here because we're hoping to sell it while I am here, but it has been on Zillow under coming soon for a little bit now. A lot of people have been asking me to like share the listing and it, stuff like that. I'm not going to do that because I just, for privacy reasons, for safety reasons, I'm just not going to do that. But if you are in the market for a house in Charlotte, North Carolina, and you are looking, then you will see it. So that's all I got to say but I'm very, very happy. And it's just one of those things that it's like such a relief to get done. But not only that, it wasn't like a hard process at all. It was just very, very exciting to see it done. I'm one of those people that I cannot see a full picture until it's actually finished. Like whenever it was just like the walls or like whenever it was just the framing, whenever the kitchen cabinets weren't in yet, it's really hard for me to envision until it's like actually in front of my eyes. So now that the house is 100% done and everything is finished and it's clean, I'm like, oh, this is what it looks like. Okay, this is gorgeous. This is beautiful. So that's kind of how it's been with the house so far, which has been really fun. And I'm just excited to kind of go through that process, see what people think, see what the feedback is, hopefully get into a few bidding wars with some people (laughs) or not with some people, but hopefully some people get into bidding wars because if you didn't know, the market in Charlotte, North Carolina right now is extremely, extremely hot. People are asking so much over the asking price. There's so many offers on houses, but again, every single house is different. I know some houses that have been on the market for two months and they haven't sold. So I have just been praying and really, really praying hard that this house sells quickly and that it goes to the right person. Because I do think it has, you know, it's it's so special. Like it's the first house I've done. It's the first house that I've put like energy into and money into and like my design into and like my whole family put their design touches onto it. And so I want it to go to a good family. You know, I want it to go to someone who's really going to appreciate it and really enjoy it. So I've been praying about that, but that has been something that's been super, super exciting. And I'm just so happy that it's almost here. I'm honestly more excited to like film the videos and like record the podcast episodes about the process, because I think it's something that people are going to want to listen to and people are going to want to watch because it's one of those things that's like, if you haven't done it, then you don't even know what you don't know. So I'm excited to put together a really comprehensive guide and, you know, upload that. So that has been my biggest update. And I'm so excited to just like put that out there and share with you guys the experience because I know it's going to help a lot of you guys out there. And today's episode, I'm actually going to introduce a new segment. I think it's a really fun segment and I would love to do more of these, except I have to have stories for them. So I'm going to do an influencer encounter. 
So for an influencer encounter, this is where I share any stories about being an influencer, the behind the scenes. Maybe I, I met someone and I want to, you know, share what it was like, whatever that might be. But today is actually an influencer encounter of an event that I went to recently. So it's Miami swim week here in Miami. Uh, and I didn't go to anything. I went to one showroom actually, but I didn't go to any shows. I didn't go to any like after parties or anything like that. But I did go to a Frankie's Bikini gifting suite. They had some food, they had some music, they had a bar, and they had some bikinis that you could try on, take pictures in, and keep whatever fit you. So it was really cool, really fun. I am obsessed with Frankie's Bikinis, so it was like a dream to go here. And it was in like a really nice hotel. So I went there, and mind you, I have been to plenty of influencer events before. I've been to some in New York, I've been to some in LA, and I always get pretty intimidated because I would say that I am like an average size influencer. I don't think I'm huge, I don't think I'm like super small, but I feel like I'm very, very, very shy, and I'm very like like not talkative. Like I don't put myself out there. I'm not like, hi, oh my God, like whatever. I'm just very to myself and reserved. And usually when I go to influencer events, I have a friend with me, but this time I was just by myself. So I went right after work and I went to this gifting suite and I was really intimidated because uh, everyone there was a freaking model. They were all like six foot tall, beautiful, gorgeous, and then I was really intimidated because I was like, oh my God, I'm here by myself. You have to like walk downstairs. And then like, that's where everyone was. So like everyone seeing you like walk down the stairs. I was like, who do I talk to first? I don't know what to do. So I was super, super intimidated. But I just have to say that the girls that I met there were some of the nicest girls that I had ever met. Most of them were like walking in shows that week or that night even. And they were like models, but they also, you know, did like Instagram and social media stuff, but they were so, so, so nice. And I wish I could say this about every event that I've been to, but a lot of events, obviously there's a lot of nice people there, but you also have influencers that are just not the nicest. Maybe they have a bit of an ego, you know, they're just a little, a little not I don't know, not that, not that friendly, I guess you can say. And so this time I was like, wow, these girls are so nice. Everyone was so sweet and talkative. And like, it wasn't an intimidating experience. Like everyone was hyping each other up in swimsuits. People were taking pictures of each other, like helping each other out. And like, you literally all just met. And I just feel like that I've never had that experience before at another influencer event. And I was wondering, I have, I don't know if this theory is true, but I was like, maybe it's because it was like in Miami. And I swear, I'm not trying to be like Miami's biggest hype woman or anything like that. But I think it's because in LA, I just, I had bad vibes with a bunch of influencer encounters and like influencer events. I just, it didn't, it wasn't for me. I didn't fit in. I didn't like it. I felt like the people that I was meeting, they just weren't the friendliest and they weren't the most genuine, I thought. And in New York, people were pretty genuine, but pretty kept to themselves. You know, it's kind of like everyone was in their own world. But this one, people were so sweet. Everyone was so nice. And I just really, really, really appreciated it. I don't know. Maybe it's because it was mainly models and not influencers. Who knows? But that was my positive influencer encounter. And I'm excited to go to some more in Miami because I do think there are influencer events here, especially as things are opening up. So we'll see. But that was my little influencer encounter. Hopefully I can do more of these little segments in these intros, but yeah, I thought it was really sweet. Anyways, I'm excited to get into this episode with Emily. As I said, I've always been fascinated with the modeling industry, the makeup industry, the fashion industry. I mean, I literally started my YouTube channel as Beauty by Nat XO, if that tells you anything about me. I was obsessed with beauty, like with like fashion and makeup and all of that stuff. And I was also fascinated with how people would get into modeling. I remember going to the mall and seeing those open casting calls. And it, it's like, I 
it's a vivid memory that I have. I remember I always would want to go up to them. I actually did once. I did go up to one of those open casting calls. It wasn't for modeling. It was actually for acting. And I like went to LA and I auditioned with this agency that I had met at this open casting call in LA. And I was like auditioning for pilot season out there. It's like a fever dream now that I think about it, but it was real. And I actually did that. So I just remember those casting calls like it was literally two years ago. Does that bring back memories to anyone? And so when Emily was speaking about how she got discovered, it just brought back a lot of memories. I've always just wondered about how it works. So I'm excited to have Emily Donato on the pod to tell us a little more about it. Emily has that classic story of being told that she should be a model from a young age and then eventually scouted at a mall. I feel like we always hear about those stories, but it was cool hearing it from herself. She began modeling in high school and then she moved to New York City in 2009 to pursue her dream of modeling full-time. She was only 18 and all alone in one of the biggest, most intimidating cities, which I personally cannot imagine being 18 by myself in New York City. Thankfully, she is such a resilient woman and she ended up booking a few major gigs that created a domino effect in her career. She's been in some amazing campaigns such as Armani and Victoria's Secret, but all of that came with a cost and she experienced negative body image and pressure to lose weight. Luckily, after taking a break from diet culture, she found peace in her body and had a very supportive agent that encouraged her to model at whatever size she was. Later in life, Emily explored her love for skincare and came up with Covey with her best friend as they were sharing their overly complicated skincare routines with each other. Covey is all about taking the guesswork out of skincare, and I personally love how simple the routine is. I have been using it right now since this episode was recording, and I can recommend it personally. So you have my stamp of approval on it. <laughs> in this episode, we dive into the positive and negatives of the modeling industry, how to find peace within your body, skincare must-haves, and what it's like to run a company with your best friend. I am so excited for you to hear this episode with Emily. She's amazing and such an incredible person. She's an incredible model and she's honestly a role model. So if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to follow along on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on the Instagram, leave a positive review if you have been loving these past few episodes and let's get into it. Let's talk about styling hair because it is a whole production, especially when you are battling frizz and take it from me. I live in Miami, Florida. It is about to be summer. I really know frizz, but honestly, I would rather be doing something else like booking a spontaneous vacation to St. Bart's or rewatching the Ares tour for like the third time, you know, the important stuff, but who actually has time for frizz? Introducing Way's new anti-frizz cream. It is like a superhero for your hair. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours. I actually brought it on a trip with me and my friend borrowed it and she purchased it right then and there because it was that good. So how does this fit into my hair routine? It is the best thing I could have done for my hair. I am all about saving time and the anti-frizz cream does just that. Plus the Sydney inspired North Bondi scent is so amazing. You can thank bergamot, Italian lemon violet and more. And as someone who is always concerned about heat damage because I definitely use a lot of heat on my hair, this anti-frizz cream provides heat protection, which is such a big relief. And my hair feels so much lighter and looks smoother after using it. Get busy being frizz free with Way's new anti-frizz cream. It's not just about taming frizz. It also provides heat protection up to 450 degrees, reduces and repairs split ends, quenches dry hair with intense hydration. And according to a consumer perception study, 90% of participants agreed that their hair looked less frizzy after using it. 
I can definitely contest that. And while you're at it, check out Way's other bestsellers like the leave-in conditioner, which I also use, detox shampoo, fragrances, hair oils, and hair gloss. They're all essential for achieving that salon-worthy look at home. So you can frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code RealReal for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code RealReal. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today, as it should, with Earnin. Earnin is an app that is changing the game when it comes to getting paid. Imagine having access to the money you've earned as you work, not just waiting for payday. With Earnin, you can access up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So think about it. The next time you're planning a special night out, you need a last minute gift for a loved one, or you face an unexpected expense, like maybe a trip to the vet. Earnin has you covered. For me, it's about having the flexibility to handle those surprise expenses that life throws my way. So whether it's unexpected bills or needing to cover rent when things are tight, Earnin gives me peace of mind knowing that I have access to my hard-earned cash when I need it most. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type Real Real under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show, so please don't forget that step. Real Real under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Hi, Emily. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to have you on. And also, before we even get started, I just wanted to say congratulations on your pregnancy. I saw the announcement and I'm so happy for you and your husband. It sounds so exciting. Yeah, thank you. It's very exciting. New venture, lots to learn and lots to do. But yeah, it's really exciting. Yeah, I'm sure you're feeling all the emotion right now. (laughs) Yeah, I'm feeling all the emotion and then 10 times that because of pregnancy hormones. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, we're going to get into setting the record straight, which is some stereotypes and some assumptions, and then you'll let me know if they're true or false. Cool. So the first one is, it's easier to be a model today than 10 years ago. Oh, hitting me hard to start. (laughs) You know what? Actually, I would say, yes, it is easier to be a model today because there's less barrier to entry into the industry. When I started modeling in 2009, there was no social media. In order to get into the industry, you had to be like simply discovered like on the street or you had to know an agent somehow, which like I didn't. I was like discovered like someone saw me. So, but now with social media, like if you do social really well, you can be discovered through social media. Like you can do your own brand deals, your own contracts, like your own modeling gigs without even having an agency. So I would say yes, today it is easier to break into the industry, which is great for everyone. Yeah, I feel like it is easier because like you said, social media and like, I follow some girls that they don't have any agency, they don't have any management, but they do these whole shoots in their house, you know, and just post it on Instagram. (laughs) And they look so good. (laughs) You don't need an agent. You really don't anymore. So yeah, more power to them. Yeah. 
And the next one is you deal with a lot of rejection as a model. That is true. Yes. You know, I think especially when I first started modeling and you're going to a lot of castings, no one knows who you are. You get a lot of no's. In the beginning, you get a lot of no's simply because people don't know who you are. Like if you don't have clout or you haven't done a cool and interesting job and you're kind of a no name, people are not interested and they are not afraid, especially 10 years ago, to be like, no thanks, like don't have any idea who you are and I don't care. <laughs> so yes, that's true. Do you think that now it's more like people need more clout, I guess, because of the followers on Instagram? Like 10 years ago, it wasn't really about the followers, but it was more about like if you were famous or not. Do you think now people look at like your Instagram following? Oh, yes, they look. They they look. It's like on our comp cards. It's in all of the messaging. People ask when you go to castings. Yes, it's very important because now every single modeling job that I do, there is some sort of social media component to it. So it does matter. Oh, wow. That's so interesting that it's a kind of like a brand deal mixed with modeling yeah, now. Exactly. Yeah. And the next one is starting a business with a friend is easy. Hmm. So in my case, I would say yes, but only because myself and my best friend, I felt like we did a really good job kind of getting over challenges and humps kind of head on. Like we're both really, like we love each other dearly and we're both really honest. And whenever we would run into like trouble or challenges or something wasn't getting done or in the right way, like I will say both of us are so good at like putting our ego aside. And sometimes we're like, men would not be able to like operate like we do because we're literally like, no, it's okay. Like I totally get what you're saying. Like, let's solve this, like for the business, like we need to make it right and do it right. And then we're like completely fine the next day and talking about like our husbands and what we're doing that weekend and like everything. We're really good. I feel like at kind of facing things head on and like moving forward, but then also maintaining our friendship. But whenever we see each other, we do have an agenda. We call it. It's always like, here are the business points we want to hit. Here are the personal points we want to hit just so we always have a balance of both. Yeah, because I feel like it could be hard with if you're working together in a business, then like, when do you catch up like not business related? You know, like it's hard probably to separate like business mode versus just like personal life mode. Totally. Like that's why we have that agenda. Or sometimes one of us will text the other and just be like, we need like some us time where we're just not going to talk about work. And we just like go for a walk or get a glass of wine prior to my pregnancy and just kind of like catch up and talk about whatever we want. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's, nice having it with a friend though because like you said you can really open up and talk about anything and you know you know each other so it's not like that guesswork of like hmm, what are they going to think about this exactly I think we always also remind ourselves that we want we were friends first we want to remain friends so anything that like happens or comes towards us that's like challenging it's like how do we solve this as like business partners and then of course maintain the friendship mm -hmm. yeah and I want to talk now about your childhood and how that was like. Like, Did you always want to be in front of a camera? Did you want to be a model from a young age? Or what was kind of your goal when you were a kid or like dream job when you were a kid? Yeah, I mean, when I was younger, a lot of people told me that I should be a model. But I think like, especially 10 years ago, when people are like, oh, you should be a model. Like I was like, thank you for that compliment. But like, how does one just like go become a model? Like that wasn't a thing. So, but it was definitely something like if someone put it in front of me, I definitely would have done it, especially as a teenage girl, you know, like I would have been very into that. It looked very glamorous and very interesting. So that's why when I did get scouted, 
I was like, I definitely want to try this. And my parents were supportive. I was still in high school. So they were like, how are we got to figure out how to like make both of these things work? Um, but no, I didn't like grow up like pining to be in front of the camera or anything like that. But once the opportunity arose, I was definitely like, yes, I will do this. <laughs> yeah. How did you get scouted? Like, I always hear of people getting scouted like, oh, I got scouted at the grocery store or the mall or whatever. But does someone just come up to you and they're like, here's my card? Or <laughs> Yeah, I was at the Danbury Mall in Connecticut and there was like this like competition happening there. Like, I don't even know what you would call it, but there were a bunch of scouts there and people and they were like, oh, you should come on stage and like do this thing. And I was with my mom and I remember we were kind of like, like what like what do you mean like we were just like shopping because that was Danbury Mall is a very good mall it was at the time <laughs> so then I just like did it and there were all these agents and scouts there and I like met all of them and they all like gave me their cards but I was like young and they were kind of like if you're interested like let me know and then I ended up going to Manhattan not long after that and like meeting with a bunch of agencies in person and kind of went from there and how old were you when, when you were scouted? I was like 16. Okay, yeah. So still young and like yeah. almost done with high school, but like still yeah. going through it. So did you finish out high school and then move to New York City or what was that timeline? I did. I finished high school and I moved to Manhattan right after that in 2009. But I was modeling in like my junior or mostly my senior year of high school. So I was missing a decent amount of school and I was traveling a bunch and I was like, in magazines and stuff like that. And then I would like go back to school and I was like, this is a very strange life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And when you went to New York, were you like, this is what I'm going to do full time. I'm going to try modeling. Were you already getting jobs or kind of what was those like first years like in the city as like a new model? Yeah, I knew when I moved to the city that I was going to pursue modeling full time. That was the plan. Like I did not go to college like many of my friends were doing. And I was kind of like, this is going to be my version of that. I'm going to go to the city and I'm going to model full time. But it was definitely difficult at first because like even as a model, you know, when I was first starting, I wasn't working every day. So but I was getting enough jobs and doing enough that I was like, this is worth pursuing full time, like I want this to be my thing, but I'm also not working every single day. And I think having that lack of structure at such a young age, and also seeing all of my friends kind of in college and like living their lives and getting their education, like I was like, I feel like I didn't make the right decision because I have all this free time and I don't really want it. And I don't really have any friends here. Um, and I don't know what to do in this big city, but like, I might have to work next week here. So Luckily, my parents were close, so I would go home a lot back to upstate New York, but it was definitely like a confusing and very like ungrounded time in my life. Yeah, I can't imagine like being thrown into New York City at 18, like trying to make it into modeling. You know, I did you have a lot of friends in the city or? No, I had none. Like shockingly, even though I'm from upstate New York, none of my friends moved here post high school. So I really didn't know anyone. And as a model, you know, you're a freelancer, you never really see the same person twice, or you eventually start seeing people more, but like, it's hard to develop friendships because you don't really have any cadence with anyone. Right. Yeah. That must've been so hard. And when did you start booking like the big jobs? Cause I know that you were the face of Maybelline. You were in the Victoria's Secret campaigns. What was that like? Like what timeline was that? And like, what was that process like? Yeah, for Maybelline, that happened very early on. So that was when I was still in high school. I was a senior in high school when I found out that I signed with Maybelline, which was huge. So that was kind of like, once I got that contract, that was like kind of for me, the moment where I was like, all right, I'm going to pursue this full time. So that happened really early on. The other stuff didn't start to like trickle in until quite a bit later, I would say not quite a bit, but like two, three years, I started doing things like Victoria's Secret. And then 
you know, I did this really big campaign for Armani, their fragrance Aqua de Joya. And then eventually I was in SI swimsuit and like tons of other jobs and campaigns in between. But it was definitely like, there was no like big aha moment. And then I was like totally crushing it. It was like sprinkled along the years. Mm -hmm. Was it a shock to you? Like once you started getting those big jobs, like were you being recognized more? Were you, you know, booking more jobs? Like, is it kind of like a domino effect where you book one big one and then they all kind of start like you start getting noticed a little bit more yeah absolutely there definitely is kind of like this approval domino effect happens right like when you do a big job like I remember I did the cover of French Vogue and that's like for high fashion that is a huge deal very like prestigious and once I did that so many other campaigns and jobs come in because like you're kind of like an it girl in that moment right because it's like Mm -hmm. very cool and you know a very special moment in my career so yeah that domino effect is very real Yeah, I can only imagine. I mean, I remember like recognizing you from years and years ago, you know, like I like knew who you were whenever I I booked you on this podcast. I was so excited because I was like, oh, my God, I've literally been like seeing your face for like (laughs) 10 years. I feel like Like, it's been so long because you've had such big jobs and like such a successful modeling career. Yeah, I think especially because of Maybelline, like people are always like, oh my God, like I remember you from this campaign from like a million years ago. And then on TikTok, people are always like, aren't you that Maybelline lady? And I'm like, I guess I'm a Maybelline lady, sure. (laughs) Yeah, that's so funny. And I feel like modeling obviously seems very glamorous. It's like such a glamorous job and a lot of girls want to be models. Is it as glamorous as it looks or what are kind of like the challenges when it comes to being a model in the industry? Yeah, I mean, I think some of the challenging aspects are, like I mentioned earlier, there's like lack of structure. And, you know, being a model is very similar to being an athlete in the sense that like for a lot of models, like when you're young, so like 18 to 30, call it is like, that's your prime time. This is going to sound really messed up, but you almost like lose value as you age. Very similar to an athlete, right? Like once an athlete becomes 30, 35, 40, like you start to look to retire. And I think one of the challenges or things that gave me anxiety was like, I knew from like 18 to 30 that I was putting off things like getting an education or, you know, being in a more traditional work setting where I was like working my way up and kind of progressing. And, you know, instead of progressing in a job, I'm almost digressing. Like, I don't know if that's the right word. And then I also would think like, you know, there's that anxiety, like, what are you going to do after becoming a model? And people would always Mm -hmm. ask me that question. And it is a totally valid question in the sense that like to anyone who wants to model out there who is a model, like you should think about that and you should consider that because like it doesn't last forever and you have to like develop other interests and hobbies and skills outside of like being young and thin and beautiful. Basically, that's how it was, you know, for back when I started modeling. Um, So I would say those are the challenges. I mean, there are definitely glamorous aspects to it. Like I've traveled all over the world, but the negative of that is like, oftentimes I was alone. It's a little harder to enjoy like all of these amazing cities when you're like straight up by yourself. And I'm like, I'm kind of afraid to like walk around this random city, like by myself. I remember feeling that way all the time, especially when you're like 19, 18 years old. And then I think now, which comes more with like being an influencer as well is like you get like free clothes and free stuff and I think people are interested in that but I think I'm sure even you know that like at the end of the day it's like just stuff like right it doesn't, I don't know it doesn't like really get you going but then of course I think people see glamour and like being on set and like hair and makeup and being in amazing outfits but at the end of the day it's just like anything it becomes a job you know like 
attack mm-hmm. the thing you have to do and you become kind of desensitized to those things. there's also a lot of pressure to look a certain way to be a certain size to you know there's so much external pressure so have you ever struggled with body image yourself or how has that been because growing up like being in front of the camera and like dealing with you know probably people commenting on your looks and appearance every single day yeah I mean it was definitely something that I struggled with you know body image and kind of coming to peace with my body and the way that I looked because I was never a size double zero and when I first started modeling like every model was a double zero and had like a 34 inch hip like and it did not venture far from those measurements and I was never that so I always felt big and out of place and much larger than my like people I was on set with, which I was like, rightfully so I was like bigger than everyone else. And it really messed with my head, but I was like a size four, six, you know, I was like a healthy young girl, but it definitely messed with my head. And I went to major extremes to be as small, as small as possible. So I would overexercise and eat very little and just become very obsessed with my weight. And those were definitely a, it was a very dark period of my life and also like a very one dimensional period of my life. Like it was all that I cared about and all that I did, which is like a really easy kind of funnel to get sucked into as a model. Mm -hmm. And how did you overcome that? Like, how did you get over the, you know, fear of gaining weight or like being bigger or, you know, how did you not let those thoughts and kind of control your life? Yeah. I mean, there was just kind of this point where I was losing so much weight. I was getting so small. And I finally thought like, and this was the beginning of my career. And I was finally like, okay, like everyone was telling me that I needed to lose weight and that I was too big and too athletic looking. So I finally lost all this weight. And I was like, all right, this is it. Like I'm going to have my moment. And it was funny that some of the clients and castings that I went to were like, oh, it doesn't look quite right on her. She looked better before. It doesn't look natural, which it wasn't, you know, like people can tell that like, it was very strained for me to be so thin. And then, you know, I had some friends at work. Luckily, I did have some dear friends who were like, Emily, like, what are you doing? Like, you look crazy. This is not right. You don't look healthy. And I think I just reached this point where I was like, I tried so hard to get to this point. Like I did have this kind of mental breakdown moment. And I was like, now everyone's telling me that this isn't right either. And I just felt so fried from like that hamster wheel that I was on. And I kind of just gave up. Like, I literally remember I was like, I'm burnt out. I'm done. I'm so sick of everyone telling me that it's not right. And it's not good enough. And like, I'm putting in all this work and effort and it's not paying off. And like, I'm miserable and not eating and working out for like three hours a day. So like, let's not do this. And I feel like I'm kind of lucky that I kind of just did a total turnaround. I ended up moving home and going to my parents and I was just like burnt out. And I took a break and I gained all of the weight back and then some, which was very upsetting in a different way because then I was like, oh, I look so different than I did a few months ago. And now I have this extra weight. Like, how am I going to return from this or like recover from this? Am I going to model anymore? And those were like some really dark and kind of depressing months for me. But eventually I remember I went to my agency and I was like, listen, this is it. It is what it is. I don't want to hear it. Like, if we, if a client comes to us and they want to work with me, let's send them Polaroids of exactly what I look like, the measurements exactly as I am. And if they're willing to make that work, then I am down. And if that's an issue for them, that doesn't mean you come back to me and I'd go and try to lose the weight. Like, this is it. I can't do that anymore. And luckily I had a very supportive agent who was like, okay, like 
I got it. Like, this is who you are. And I'm going to sell you exactly as you are. And it ended up working out really well for me. And I got really lucky. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people don't get that. You know, they'll be told like, no, you have to lose weight or you have to look a certain size or they won't get booked at all anymore. So I think that that's so important to have that support system that you did have. And was it something that once you did that, were you booking jobs again? Were you feeling more yourself? Like, were you happier in your career? Like once that change kind of happened? Yeah. I mean, I remember I like shortly after that, I got, um, went to a casting for Sports Illustrated swimsuit. And I remember still at that moment, I didn't feel super comfortable in my body, but I went and they loved me and they booked me like on the spot. Like I, they literally called and they were like, we want her, like, we're going to shoot in Namibia. Like these are the dates. And I remember I was kind of like, wow, like that was fast. Like, I feel like, and especially for someone like Sports Illustrated to be like, you are great. We love you. Actually, what I loved so much about the Sports Illustrated casting, I'll never forget it. They didn't even put me in a swimsuit. Like, you know, I was so used to like the Victoria's Secret fashion show casting where you get there and they put you in like a tiny lingerie with like stripper heels and they're like, get out there. I remember with SI, I sat there and like spoke with the editors for a really long time. And like, there was no just like, get in a swimsuit. Like, let me see what you actually look like. They weren't booking you for that reason, which is something that I'll never forget and kind of loved about them. But then there was definitely kind of that domino effect after Sports Illustrated. I started doing so many other things and it really started kind of like, snowballing. Yeah. I'm curious, what is the process then of a lot of castings, like of the Victoria's Secret one, for example, is it a really long process? Or like, what is that like to get cast as one of those models? Well, I never got casted for the show. I only ever did the catalog. But it's just kind of like if they're interested in you, your agent will let you know, and you'll get an email and it will be like, so-and-so wants to see you on this day at this time. This is who you'll be meeting. Bring like matching bra and panties and heels and make sure your body's moisturized and <laughs> looks good. And then you go and you take Polaroids and you meet a bunch of people in your underwear and it's super awkward and weird and still would be awkward and weird today. And then, yeah, from there, they decide if they're going to book you, but it's, it's very, it's a very vulnerable experience. <laughs> Yeah, I can't, I can't even imagine. And I feel like has it changed since then? Like has it changed since a few years ago or the modeling industry as a whole? Is it different? Yes, I think the industry has changed a lot because like, you know, I think I'm I, not so much for like high fashion. I feel like they still gravitate towards like that kind of more waif look. But I think generally they've become very much more accepting of like different shapes and sizes and embracing that. And I think that they know that like, I kind of don't have a choice because I feel like with social media, like people want to look at a campaign and see someone that resonates with them or that they can relate to in some, in some way. So I think brands are aware that like the way things used to be just isn't going to fly anymore. Right. Yeah. I feel like now there's so much more diversity in modeling, just in every single aspect, like, totally. but especially in the sizing, like it's not just a super, super, super skinny, like tall girl like there's all sorts of different bodies which I think is really great honestly to be a model today yes it is it's way better and even for me like I'm just like I just think for young women to be able to see that you know growing up I only saw like one type of woman and that right. was it so I'm really glad that that, that has changed yeah and you also started a business recently. So you recently announced Covey. It's a skincare line. Why did you decide to start that? Like, I'm so curious on how you shifted kind of not that you're not doing modeling anymore, but you shifted from, you know, being just a traditional model. And now you are an entrepreneur. 
yes, it was a definitely a fun and interesting and challenging shift. But I started Covey because myself and my business partner kind of shared this challenge of finding a simple, effective and compatible skincare routine. So I kind of came from this industry where my face and my skin was so important and I really wanted to take care of it, but I kind of came from a more is more mentality, meaning I was layering all the products, all the actives, all the things. My skin was always on fire and like falling off my face and I didn't understand why. And then it was funny, I did Harper's Bazaar Get Unready With Me, their famous YouTube series. And I shared all my products and my routine and the comments, people were like, this is the craziest routine ever. Those aren't the right products. Like you're using them wrong, in the wrong order. You're not supposed to combine those products. And I was like, how am I supposed to know that? I was like, <laughs> yeah. what? can someone like do the guest work for me and just give me like a simple routine that's going to work? So then myself and my business partner did so much research and we went through over 500,000 reviews of top selling products. We went through all of my YouTube comments, Instagram comments, and we realized that people shared the exact same confusion and questions that we had, which was like, what products do you actually need in your routine? What is the order that you are supposed to use them in? And do they work together? Do they pair well together? So we formulated the Covey routine to be used together. All the products and ingredients work in harmony with each other and your skin. We kind of just took the guesswork out of a skincare routine and kind of created something very simple. I love that because for me personally, I've always had like, not even when I was younger, even recently, I'm 25 and I still get acne. So I've struggled with acne a lot and I've always been like, okay, what else can I put on my skin to make it better? And I'll like collect like all of these different skincare products. And then one time I actually put like, I don't even know what I put on my face, but I was like putting a ton of stuff on and I woke up with like the worst reaction. Like my skin was so red. It was flaky. It was dry. It was puffy. It looked like I like had like a third degree burn or something. I probably did like from these products that I was using, like, (laughs) and it was so bad. It's true. And like, you don't realize that like combining ingredients and what you're combining, like really does make a difference. Like in my routine, I was combining vitamin C and a a retinol, which like is a total no-no. And I had no idea about that. Right. So I was like, well, what can I combine a vitamin C with and different forms of vitamin C's and what will really enhance that ingredient and make it work better. But yeah, it can definitely be very, very confusing. But you know, our philosophy is that less really can be more when you're using the right products with the right ingredients that work together and are really high quality. So that's kind of the premise of it. Well, I love it because I think that there are so many products in the skincare industry right now. And they're all these like one, you know, it's like one product here, one product there. And it's tempting to want to try them all. But (laughs) I agree. Less is more. I've been trying to not put all of this stuff on my face and really like it's amazing thank you no it's been one of those things that like I'm always so scared to put anything on my face now after that reaction that I had because I'm like what if I'm gonna like break out again or get like that rash or whatever I had back on my face like it was so bad so I'm so cautious with skincare so I like that yours is like okay this does work together it's safe to put together (laughs) like you don't need to worry about it because that's always my biggest worry (laughs) exactly And were you always into skincare even before like being a model or was that something always that you were interested in? I mean, I definitely became much more interested when I became a model because like, especially when I was like 22, 23, 24 years old, because I was doing so much beauty and I always had tons of makeup on my face and I wanted to do a good job at taking care of it. So like anytime someone recommended something to me, like I was adding it to the routine. Like I was just like layering all of the things. 
But I think once I really started doing more research, I became totally obsessed with ingredients and combinations and what these ingredients do, what to leave out, what ingredients people were complaining about and irritated their skin. So I definitely became more interested in the science when I was like, all right, I need to like figure this out for myself, which is kind of when Cubby started being born. Yeah. And how did you and your business partner decide to go into this together? I mean, I think we started to go into it, decided to go into it together because we always bonded over skincare to begin with. Like that was kind of one of the things we were always sharing articles with each other. Even one of the first like trips that we went on together because our husbands were actually best friends and they introduced us and then we became friends. And one of the first things we bonded over was like what skincare we brought on our trip. And we were kind of like, oh, what did you bring? Like, does that work for you? Like, you know, sharing your routine is kind of like an intimate thing but once you know the other person's open to it like it's just the floodgates open and I just remember we both like threw our toiletries on the counter and we're like this is what I'm using this is how it works but also I, we look back and we laugh because we were like we had no idea what we were doing we were just we brought like everything in our cabinet because we thought like the more layers the better so yeah right yeah I th- that's really sweet though that you get to do this and experience this with a good friend of yours you know because kind of like we said earlier it takes away that, you know, question of like, should I say this? Or how do I say this? You know, you already have that trust and like that good foundation. Exactly. Totally. It is really nice. And, you know, it especially, you know, I found out that I was pregnant, like two weeks after we launched Covey. And like the timing was just a little tough, because like a few weeks later, I started having all of the symptoms you get in the first trimester, like tired and exhausted and so nauseous. And I just felt so sick. And thank God my business partner, like anything I couldn't do or when I was like, girl, I got to block out two hours to take a nap. Otherwise I can't function. Like, I don't know if I'd be able to say that to somebody else, but I, she knows that if it were the other way around, it would be the exact same story. And like, I would be there for her. So it is one of the benefits of having your best friend as your business partner. Right. And there's so much more work that goes into starting a business, especially a physical product that you know, you have to take into account, like you said, the science behind it, like what can you mix together? What can you put on your face that's not irritating? Like there's so much that goes on rather than something like another type of product. So how long did it take you to like come up with the idea to be like, we're doing this to actually like holding it in your hand and like having an actual product? Yeah, it took us almost three years. It took a really long time because we were such pains in the butts about the formulation process. And we probably had about 12 different iterations of each of the products. And we also tested each of the samples on over 150 people because we really wanted to make sure that Cubby worked for all skin types, no matter your age or your skin type or your skin concern. So to get the formulations right, I mean, we just got so much feedback and we did so many surveys and really like heard what people had to say. So it just took so much time and iterating. And then once you finally get, you know, the formulation done, then you have to go into packaging. And that's a whole other, you know, year in itself or like even more sometimes to figure out like where that, what packaging works best for these formulations. So it definitely took a really long time, but we also took so much time to kind of do the research and do that work. So a long time. (laughs) I don't even know how to like come up with a product like that. Like, do you like, reach out to a lab and ask them to formulate it? Like, what's like that first step with like, how do I formulate this? Or were you mixing ingredients together? (laughs) What was that like? No, I definitely wasn't the one mixing the ingredients. Yeah, you find a lab that kind of fits you and what you're trying to achieve. And obviously, we knew that we wanted the product to be non-toxic, so clean and free of parabens, sulfates, dyes, silicones. So you need to find a lab that's willing to work with you in that way. 
You also need to find a lab that is not going to be like, here's our product off the shelf. You can white, basically white label, like take a product and put your name on it. We didn't want to do that. So we wanted to create a custom formulation and some labs don't want that either. They just want you to buy what they have in stock and you just say it's yours. So we ended up going through two different labs to finally get to you know, the one that worked for us and what we could finally get the formulations that we needed. So yeah, that's kind of how it works from there. But we also worked with an amazing chemist and a dermatologist in New York, Dr. Julie Rusak, and she helped us identify the key products that we needed and the key ingredients that were backed by the latest research and science. So that's how it kind of all of it comes together. Yeah, that's awesome. No, I'm so excited to start using it. I actually just got the package in the mail and I'm so excited because Less is definitely more, especially now that also travel is opening up and you can go places like I don't want to have to carry mm-hmm. a million different things for my skincare routine in my bag. Like having three products is just going to save so much space. Totally. Exactly. Please let me know how it goes. I hope you love it. I will. And is there anything that you didn't expect when starting a business? Like, is there anything that you kind of like, I, I don't know, like was a shock to you or a surprise when starting a business? Hmm. I mean, I think just the sheer level of time that it takes. And like, there's this part of you that wants to just like move things forward and push things forward. But sometimes things just like simply take time, like, you know, the formulations and getting feedback and the packaging, like those all took a very, very long time. And I think what was really hard is like, you know, you have this idea, you love it so much, you do the branding and the formulations and all of these things behind the scenes. And then it's launch day and you have to share this with the world. And we were just so scared because we're like, we're so in love with this. We're so passionate about it. And we hope people feel the same. And luckily we've had such an incredible response, great support, great press. But like that moment was really scary. And it was just, it felt so much safer, like probably similar to pregnancy when it's like inside of you, you know, it's like, no one knows about it. No one, everyone knows really scary. And you have to continue, you know, with that level. If people are impressed and they're excited, you have to continue with that level that they expect things to be. So it's pressure, but it's also exciting. So yeah. Yeah. Like how was it keeping that secret for three years? You know, like I, (laughs) I feel like that's (laughs) the hardest part. (laughs) Yeah, it was hard. And, you know, I worked in, I work in the fashion industry and I did a ton of beauty work and I kind of couldn't share this project that I was working on. It didn't feel right to share it. And sometimes like, you know, then COVID happened, right? Like we were working on this for so long and then COVID happened and we're like, is this ever going to come into the world? Like it feels like it might not. So sometimes I almost felt so silly speaking about it with people because I was like, I feel like people are going to be like, oh, you're talking about your like phantom skincare brand again. that doesn't exist. Right. <laughs> so sometimes, but luckily I had my best friend to talk about it with 24 seven. So we just kept it for ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's so exciting. And I mean, the press has been amazing. I was like looking at different articles about it and like everyone yeah. seems to really love it. And the feedback has been incredible from it. Yeah. Thank you so much. I know I'm so pleased with that. I'm so proud of that and happy that like our hard work and research and time paid off. Yeah. And before we go, I ask a lot of my guests this question, but is there anything that you would tell your younger self? So it could be when you first started modeling, when you were a teenager? Yeah. I think I would tell myself to try more things and that it's okay to not be good at everything that you try. I think for when you're younger, like you feel so discombobulated and I felt like I was just trying to figure out modeling and I wasn't willing to like venture out or do other things or afraid of failure or afraid I couldn't do it perfectly. And I wish I would have just been a little gentler on myself, but also push myself at the same time to like try more things because it just like, 
built my confidence so much when I ventured outside of just modeling and tried different things and realized I was capable of so much more, but I didn't realize of how much I was capable of because I was only doing one thing, which was like modeling and trying to be skinny for many years. Yeah. Diversifying that is helpful. Yeah. And you've done such a great job at that. I mean, you have your skincare line, you have your career, you're on YouTube. I love your YouTube videos. I feel like that's also something else that a lot of people don't like a lot of people that are more traditional entertainment or traditional modeling or, you know, not like social media related. It's harder for them to like venture into social media, I guess, kind of like a mindset shift. Has that been the case for you or... Kind of. Yes. I mean, I always tell people that when I started doing my YouTube channel, when I would go to work, people would be like, Oh, God, like, you're like a blogger now. And people yeah. would be like, Oh, you're so brave. And I'd be like, Oh, you know, fashion people can just be so snobby. And this was kind of like when people weren't embracing social as much just yet. And then social became like everything and people, the exact same people who were like, oh my God, you're so brave. were like, wait, how did you do that? Like, how did you figure that out? Like who edits your videos? Like, how do you do that? So it kind of came full circle, but it was definitely like a shift, but I actually felt more comfortable and excited to create content because I had a say in it and a pull in it and, you know, a creative, my own creative touches to things. So I really enjoyed it much more than just like being in front of the camera as a model. Yeah. Sorry. I know I said the last question was the last question, but I I was like, wait, I have to ask this. (laughs) Um, But thank you so much, Emily, for coming on my podcast. Where can they find you and where can they also find Covey? Yeah, you can find me at Emily DiDonato, DiDonato Emily on TikTok. And then for Covey, we're just at Covey, C-O-V-E-Y on Instagram. Come say hello. And yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you. This was great. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Real Real. I hope that you enjoyed and don't forget to rate, review, follow, or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can follow me personally on Instagram at Natalie Barbu and the podcast at The Real Real Podcast. I'll see you next Monday. Hey there, my name is Renee Rena, and I am the mom friend you have always wanted. I am also the host of the Mom Room Podcast. We publish two episodes per week, a co-hosted episode on Tuesdays and a solo episode on Thursdays. Popular topics include pooping and having sex after giving birth. I have a solo episode where I talk about not sharing a bed with my husband and why that's okay. I hope you'll tune in to these conversations every week. Join us on Instagram at the mom room podcast and start to feel a little less alone in this crazy thing called motherhood. Hey, my name is Lovan Roomf and I've been working my ass off as a celebrity stylist by day and a podcast host by night. At the Low Life Podcast, it's all about keeping it real. We're talking fashion, beauty, to religion, sex, drugs, mental health. I mean, there's no topic off limits here. And vulnerability is mandatory. You can find my podcast, The Low Life, that's L-O, no W, everywhere and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. New episodes are out every Thursday. We'll see you then.